From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to this Wednesday edition of Washington Watch. Thank you for making Washington Watch part of your day. Well, coming up, it is a new day in Washington as Republicans are standing resolute and unified. Now, the president and Leader Schumer have finally backed off their idea that they won't negotiate. They finally backed off the insane, unrational, unsensible idea that you just raise the debt ceiling. That was House Speaker Kevin McCarthy earlier today at a press conference with both House and Senate Republicans on the steps of the Capitol. We're going to talk with Florida Senator Rick Scott, who joined Speaker McCarthy today at that press conference. And religion and faith and voting, do the two go together? We're actually going to take a look at a remarkable study that shows it does, and it shows where it's happening across the country. As faith recedes, votes move left. As faith increases, we see votes moving to the right. Matt Carpenter joins us for that conversation a little bit later. All right, Senate Republican Leader Mitch McConnell went to the Senate floor today to oppose a Biden pick for the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals. She has served as the director for strategic litigation for the discredited Southern Poverty Law Center. Just in time for police week, Senate Democrats are moving to confirm an anti-police activist to the federal bench. Nancy... Abadu is the president's nominee to the 11th Circuit. Her record falls far, far outside the mainstream. We're going to get an update on this SPLC lawyer from FRC's Travis Weber a little bit later. And despite the threats by the Biden administration of redirecting the U.S. Space Command headquarters away from Huntsville, Alabama, Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville is not backing down from his opposition to the military's unlawful expansion of abortion. The Pentagon is spending money without the consent of Congress. This money was never authorized. It was never appropriated. Nobody voted for this. Even my friend from Connecticut didn't vote for the vote for this policy. The Democrats' strongest abortion supporters never voted for this. Nobody voted for this. And now senators are down here defending this. They're outsourcing the work of the United States Senate. We'll be joined by one of Senator Tuberville's colleagues who is standing with him and raising his own issues with the military over drag queens. Montana Senator Steve Daines joins us later here on Washington Watch. Our word for today comes from Daniel chapter 10. Then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard. And I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. God immediately heard Daniel's prayers, but there was more going on than what Daniel saw, spiritual warfare in the heavens. This passage gives us one of the few glimpses in the Bible into the spiritual realm. This is what Paul is talking about in Ephesians 6. Where he says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. One of our chief weapons in this spiritual battle is what Daniel used, prayer. To find out more about our journey through the Bible, go to TonyPerkins.com. Well, in a rare picture of unity, House and Senate Republicans gathered today for a press conference on the steps of the Capitol, where Speaker McCarthy suggested a resolution 
on the debt ceiling may be in sight. As he said, Republicans are not standing alone in the fight to rein in government spending. Am I optimistic? I'm optimistic for America because of the people standing behind me. I'm optimistic of our ability to work together. Do we have obstacles? Yes, we have a big obstacle in the White House. But we're going to change the course of history because we're going to stand for the American public. Joining me now to discuss this and more is Senator Rick Scott of Florida. He serves on the Senate Budget Committee, the Senate Armed Services Committee, and the Senate Committee on Homeland Security. Senator Scott, welcome back to Washington Watch. Well, it's great to be with you, and I'm optimistic that we will get a debt ceiling deal done. But it's up to Joe Biden. Is he willing to stop the reckless spending, stop the growth in government, the size of government, get Americans back to work, uh, make it easier for our businesses to prosper? And if he does, we've got a deal. Well, he doesn't have a choice, does he? No. He can, he can decide that, that he wants to default. Actually, the federal government has enough revenues to pay the interest, so we never default. But it's, up, it's going to be up to him. He's, he's decided to date. Uh, to not negotiate, although he has said uh, today that he's willing to negotiate, but he's leaving town. He's leaving town to go to Japan uh, right in the middle of the negotiation. So, you know, I'm an, I'm optimistic for this country. I'm optimistic for the American people, but we got to get a president that's going to show up and do, do his job. You have to be optimistic with what you see happening among the ranks of Republicans. I mean, I've not seen this where they're this unified and standing firm. Usually they walk to the debate table and negotiation table, I should say, carrying a white flag. Well, I think first off, you have to really admire what the Freedom Caucus did in the House because they took they took the bull by the horn. They put out a plan early uh, that is sort of the basis for what ultimately passed in the House. Uh, there's six senators in the Senate that worked with them through this whole process, say we've got to come out with something we can vote for, which means it's going to have structural change to change the trajectory of this debt. It's going to make sure we get people back to work. We make sure, you know, we make sure our businesses can prosper. Because guess what? Americans are fed up with this inflation. They're fed up with medical bills going up. This is all caused by reckless government spending. Inflation is reckless government spending. Medical bills are caused because reckless government spending and reckless reckless regulation. So we've got to take care of the American public. We've got to get inflation down. We've got to get it to where people control the cost of their medical bills. Will the left actually tolerate the president reaching an agreement with Republicans? I mean, it's almost when you listen to some of the rhetoric coming out of uh, the Senate Democratic leader, Chuck Schumer, it's almost as if they want the economy to crash and burn. I don't know why anybody would think that way, because we don't want any jobs to be lost. Clearly, if we defaulted on our debt, which we will never do, um, you know, it's going to impact jobs in this country. So we've got to do everything we can to act responsibly, get this debt ceiling deal done, get our country back to work so we can take care of American families. But unfortunately, we've got we got Democrats that, you know, just they are into their radical leftist agenda and they're not they don't care who gets hurt in the process. So a final question on this topic, then I want to move on to another topic. Bottom line, you think we get there? Yes, I think we get there. And I think, you know, I really admire Kevin McCarthy. One thing one thing that I put out, I've been focused on since I got up here is getting people back to work. I have a bill. And so let's get to work. And it basically says this, if you're able-bodied, if you're an able-bodied American, you don't have young children, you're going to have to either go to work or you're not going to be on you know, Medicaid, you're not going to be on food stamps, you're not going to be on welfare. That's a radical idea. 
I mean, actually having to. to Logical. You would, you, hey, Tony, you would never teach your kids to not work, would you? No, but unfortunately, we've created an environment over the last really, I mean, you can go back to the Great Society where we've been creating this government dependency. And, and we think we just keep continuing it, thinking the outcome is going to be different, but the results are the same. Yeah, we got to get people back to work. It's the best thing for them. I grew up in a poor family. I grew up, I had a single mom. I grew up, was born to a single mom. She said, I don't care that we live in public housing. We're not going to any government programs. Uh, you're going to go out and you're going to get a job and you're going to be successful. But, but it's not, you know this, Rick, it's not just about a paycheck. It's about making a contribution to something that's bigger yeah. than yourself. It's about self-fulfillment. It's about purpose, about meaning in life. It's not just about a paycheck to be able to buy things. And all that's important and has its place. But what we are doing is we're denying a lot of young people by teaching them that the government will take care of them. We're denying them fulfillment and the possibility of experiencing the American dream. I agree, Tony. People, you know, my experience in life has been that people want to work. They want to be independent, and they get so much joy uh, from, you know, whatever type of job they have, the people they work with, the service they provide, the product they build, uh, just the, all, the self-esteem of working. Senator, I want, to, I want to move on to another topic. Yesterday, uh, the president vetoed a congressional resolution to reinstate tariffs on solar panels imported from Southeast Asia, which is a gift here to the Chinese uh, Communist Party, to the government. What, what kind of message is this sending to China? You know, what I don't get is what, what does China have over Joe Biden? There's something. Because this is a bit, think about this. What we were talking about is we passed legislation that said the solar panels got, could not be made in China because they're made with slave labor. And then Biden gives them a two-year exemption from what they're doing is they're shipping those solar panels to, you know, places like Vietnam or Thailand, and then they're shipping them here, and they're trying to, you know, do a workaround. And so we said, you know, the House and the, and the Senate, we had 56 votes to 41. The Senate, we said, that's wrong, Mr. President. We, you shouldn't be doing that. And he's, you know, he doubled down. So I don't, it just seems to me that, China has to have something on Joe Biden because who wants anything that's brought into this country made with slave labor? Nobody but Joe Biden. But at the same time, is the administration not creating a a, a demand, basically an artificial demand, by forcing people to go to these uh, renewable sources of energy, which I'm all for if they make sense, but it's almost like creating a market for China. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's... It seems like what the Biden administration is doing is whether the, the chips bill, well, that was for China. He said it's supposed to be anti-China. No, China got helped with that. Uh, nobody had to stop doing business in China. Uh, so with this, I mean, it's, everything seems like, you know, the Biden administration doesn't care that China wants to demolish our way of life. You know, there's no freedom of religion in China. Uh, there's no individual freedom. And the Biden administration continues to do things that helps China and hurts American citizens. It's inexplicable, as you said. Um, final question for you, Senator. You recently introduced legislation to protect children from something that now is really on the minds of a lot of Americans. It's artificial intelligence on social media sites. Well, I think it's pretty basic. I've got grandchildren, and I got married pretty young, um, and I really worry about social media and apps and things like that, how it impacts them. So this is real simple. Um, 
if you're if you're you know uh, under you know underage, then your parents ought to have to sign on sign off on any uh, apps or social media sites you can get on. Number two is these media social media sites and apps cannot require you uh, to have to pay to get a, a you know a AI technology off your off your app uh, off your phone. And so because what they're doing is they they put it on uh, and then you have to pay to get it off. Well that's that's not right. But first parents ought to be able to look at and have to consent on on uh, AI on, on their on their kids' phone or tablet or whatever. And two, uh, they ought to make sure that you know these apps can't require you to pay to have to get you know AI technology off of it. It's pretty yeah. basic stuff. Yeah, very very common sense. Um, we're up against a break, but I, people need to realize this this goes way beyond AI. Goes way beyond like Siri. Just being able to talk to your phone. I mean, this is dangerous stuff when you talk about your kids and how they can be manipulated. Absolutely, elections. Your kids use all sorts of stuff. We've got to be very careful with, with the AI technology. Senator Rick Scott, always great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, taking time to join us today. Thanks, Tony. Have a great day. Bye-bye. You too. Senator Rick Scott of uh, Florida. Fighting a good fight in the Senate. All right. Uh, speaking of fighting the fight in the Senate, uh, the Senate, majority, uh, Senate Minority Leader, Senator uh, Mitch McConnell, went to the floor today to oppose President Biden's nomination for the 11th Circuit, Nancy Abadou. And we're going to talk about why after the break with Travis Weber when he joins me here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. More Washington Watch right ahead. Today, more than ever, men need a reminder of what biblical manhood looks like and to understand God's good design for them, to serve as provider, instructor, battle buddy, defender, and chaplain. They need a battle plan to truly live out their role. Family Research Council's Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin and Dr. Keenan Kirtan's book, Strong and Courageous, a sequel to Man to Man, offers this battle plan so that men can pursue their God-given responsibility in a culture quickly turning away from God's design. The authors unpack the Old Testament book of Joshua as the focus of their study, asking readers to look to his leadership to help consider and apply the key principles of biblical manhood. It's time for men to accept their role in the family and community and truly embrace their God-given purpose. To order your copy of Strong and Courageous, A Call to Biblical Manhood, go to frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Again, that's frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be disciples their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. 
Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroicfaith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroicfaith. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us on this Wednesday. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Hey, don't forget, uh, men in the Houston area, we've got a Stand Courageous Men's Conference coming up June the 3rd. To find out more, you can go to TonyPerkins.com or StandCourageous.com. That's actually a more direct route. That's June the 3rd, so check it out. Love to have you. So tomorrow, the Senate is expected to vote on President Biden's nomination of Nancy Abadou to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit. Now, here's what Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell had to say about Abadou earlier today. Nancy Abadou is the president's nominee to the 11th Circuit. Her record falls far, far outside the mainstream. Let's begin with the nominee's tenure as director of strategic litigation at the Southern Poverty Law Center. Half a century ago, the SPLC focused its attention on fighting actual, actual white supremacy. Today, it's better known for labeling political opponents as hate groups. Here's how left-wing commentary summed up the so-called hate map a few years ago, quote, the whole thing is a willful deception designed to scare older liberals into writing checks. The whole thing is a willful deception designed to scare older liberals into writing checks. Over the years, Ms. Abadou has been happy to join in on the fear Mr. President, disregard for the rule of law should be immediately disqualified for anyone seeking a lifetime appointment to the federal bench. Nancy Abadou is the president's nominee to the... Joining me now to discuss this is Travis Weber, Vice President for Policy and Government Affairs here at the Family Research Council. Travis, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony. All right. So uh, before we discuss uh, Nancy Abbott, explain to the to the to our viewers and listeners why the Eleventh Circuit Court of Appeals is so important. Yeah, I mean this is the second highest level of federal uh, in the federal court system, the appeals court system. Uh, before, uh, after these circuits, you go right to the Supreme Court. So the judges that, uh, all judges are important at the state and federal level. All of them need to be impartial jurists, yet the gravity and the stakes go up when you deal with higher levels. This is a high-level court. Uh, we should be examining any nominee for their fitness uh, to be on these seats. And when you have someone like Abudu, it's ex- exceptionally clear that she and, and others with records like hers are not qualified. Right, so she she wasn't just associated with the 
Southern Poverty Law Center, this anti-Christian radical left group. She was in leadership. Strategic litigation director of a group that has smeared opponents, as we know here very well, uh, smeared opponents, taking partisan sides and not showing any indication she's going to be able to shed that partisanship on the bench. Well, just last month, a Southern Poverty Law Center attorney, one of her attorneys apparently, uh, was arrested for domestic terrorism in Atlanta for being a part of the attack on that police training site uh, that's under construction outside of Atlanta. Tony, they, they had an attorney throw Molotov cocktails and bricks at police. They came out with a statement of support for this individual, who, by the way, now being investigated by the Florida Bar for fitness to hold a bar license. There's been no explanation that should sat, that has satisfied. Well, they said that he was an observer. Observer. But, but, but even if that were the case, take that at face value, he's there standing with Antifa, uh, being an observer for them, uh, facilitating their attack on a law enforcement training center. This, this is, should be of concern uh, to, for general affiliation with such activities. When you're dealing with a nominee for a court of appeal seat, there should be far. We haven't come close to an explanation for how for her affiliation, because she needs to be able to show that she is not going to apply the principles that she has been applying at the SPLC. Where, where they've supported this individual. They're investigated for judge shopping in a case in Alabama, child, uh, challenging a child protection law there, uh, and we know the rest of their history. So there is, a, as Leader McConnell pointed out, a host of problems here that, that, that senators should be concerned about uh, before confirming this nominee. And, and that vote is tomorrow. Yeah, that's right. And I think her cloture vote is, is going to be coming up very soon, and then we're going to see a vote on, on final passage. Uh, but... Uh, this is, you know, we at FRC has, have been tracking this nominee. And folks, you know, as as folks uh, have been weighing in, we have an opportunity for them to take action again. Right. They, they've waited to bring this forward because they had some Democratic senators out and yeah. they needed all of the votes. I mean, with the, with the Senate that's, I mean, the Democrats have the slimmest of margins. This is where we're going to see what happens in West Virginia, uh, whether or not um, we see West Virginia Senator Manchin voting for her, Cinema in Arizona voting yep. for her. So this is a this is a real defining moment. It, it is, Tony. And this has been delayed because there have been concerns. I have a letter here, 18 attorneys general, state attorneys general, sending a letter to Leader Schumer, uh, Schumer McConnell, expressing their concerns along the lines of how we've just what we just discussed. So, uh, folks, you know, at this point still can weigh in frcaction.org slash judges frcaction.org slash judges to let their senators know, do not confirm this nominee. Yeah, but move, move quickly. That vote will be taking place uh, tomorrow. But uh, in uh, conjunction with this, we see the Congress, um, the, the, the Democratic side, not the Republican side, but we see the administration and in some places in pockets in the Congress still using the Southern Poverty Law Center as a source of labeling uh, you know, what is domestic terrorism or what is, uh, you know, what is a hate group? Yeah, Tony, they, they want to be impartial definer, yet their own employees being charged with direct, domestic terrorism, assaulting police, it, it would they're be, not distancing I mean, themselves. this is like the stuff that Saturday Night Live skits are made of. But it, this is this is what is happening on the left. So, folks, I tell you what, weigh in on this because we're getting the weaponization committee to look at this to make sure that the Southern Poverty Law Center is not used as a source for anything, but maybe evaluating what garbage looks like. Um, and, and so text SPLC 
to 67742. This organization is despicable. Literally, it led to a shooting here in our building. It's led to violence against others. And they're they're held up as a standard. They're a standard of, like I said, garbage. It's, It's despicable. And the government should not be using them. Now, they have they have every right to exist, but the government should not be using them at all. And the Republicans need to follow through on this. Again, text SPLC to 67742. All right, Travis, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. All right, take care. All right, folks, on the other side of the break, some really fascinating data coming forth about parts of the country based upon people going to church or not going to church. You can tell a lot about the trends in their voting and what the future of those counties, cities, and states are. That's next as Matt Carpenter joins me. Don't go away. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Have you seen the Now We Live series? It is a six-week worldview Bible study created in partnership with Family Research Council and Summit Ministries. This video series was put together to help Christians propel faith into action. It offers six free videos to prompt rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions among churches, small groups, and families. Each video is led by well-known Christian voices and addresses questions regarding worldview, Jesus, truth, identity, and society. It's so important for Christians to both know the truth and to live in a way that is compatible with the truth. Being grounded in what is true and living out God's grace allows a believer's faith to truly transform one's own life and ultimately help transform a broken world. Equip yourself and other Christians to learn more about what it means to truly hold a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org worldview. Again, go to frc.org worldview. Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us on this uh, Wednesday. That's right. It's Wednesday. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right. Yeah, I got a little wound up there about the Southern Poverty Law Center because they're an organization that is attacking faith in the public square. They're an anti-Christian organization. And what they're trying to do is drive faith out of the public square. Uh, That's what what they're doing. They're not the only ones, but they're like the, 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 the pit bull of the left. And they don't care who they hurt in the process. I mean, even get people killed. They don't care. But... There's a method to their madness. There's something bigger going on here for the left and why they, why they are trying to drive religion, marginalize faith in the public square. The numbers show it. And here to tell us that story, Matt Carpenter, 
FRC action. Matt, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me, Tony. Great to be with you. So every 10 years, uh, there's a study comes out, shows about religious participation, uh, looking at the numbers, and I'm a big believer in the numbers because the numbers tell the pictures. And, and we're seeing a decline of religious participation uh, across America, but not in all places. That's correct. Yeah, the Association of Stati- Statisticians of uh, American Religious Bodies, a, a uh, sort of an obscure agency, puts out this survey every ten years. Just numbers. I mean, there's not. It's not. They're not. Uh, they don't really have a dog in the fight. They're just putting out the numbers. Right. Correct. Correct. Uh, and what they found was the headline version: the number of uh, Americans who identify with an organized religious denomination has declined nationwide by about eleven points. Now that in and of itself is is somewhat concerning, but it's not equally distributed among all the geographic regions of America. And this is where it starts to get really interesting. As you, you would think, the Pacific Northwest, maybe New England, you would see it bottoming out. But actually, it's, uh, it's in places like the Rust Belt and in flyover America, you know, the Midwest region, where we're starting to see uh, Americans leave, frankly, their uh, religious traditions. But what we're seeing, Tony, and this is, I think, where a lot of people are, are driving some, some hope on the, on the um, faith side, is that in the Sun Belt region, so we're talking Florida, Texas, and Arizona, we're seeing just huge numbers of people in almost every county in some of these states um, coming back to, to the church. So what's happening, let's, let's take some of these places like in, uh, in Pennsylvania and Michigan, where you're seeing a decline in uh, participation in religious um, uh, practice, and so Democrats are making gains, mm-hmm. I mean, quite significant gains as a result politically. But as you said, in areas that historically people wouldn't look at being religious, in particular, what's fascinating about this is our southern border. Uh, border counties in Texas, Arizona, and uh, Miami-Dade County in Florida, which has been you know, Trump won it last time for the first time is in a long time for a Republican to win. But it wasn't by just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, religious participation has increased significantly in those areas. And as a result, the votes have been moving toward Republicans. That's right. And in four out of five uh, counties in Arizona, we're seeing um, not just the increase of religious participation. We're also seeing the growth of the Hispanic vote as well. And that's kind of the factor that's driving this. You mentioned the Rio Grande Valley area. Um, that's been that area has swung towards Republicans more so than maybe any area in the country. This has to be driving the left crazy, where they were banking on being able to have these people come into the country, and those who come in legally and, and become a part of the American fabric of the family, they are disproportionately people of faith. And they share our values that what the Democratic Party is doing is actually driving these people away with their radical social policies. I mean, Republicans need to 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 pay very close attention to this because the fastest growing demographic is Hispanic and they are much more inclined to line up with conservative values. That's right. And those, that's a voting demographic that's not going to be amenable towards um, eroding parental rights or... Or, or ad- transgender agenda. Exactly right. Or and abortion. So, and so what we're seeing is a lot of these red states with significant Hispanic populations like Florida and Texas are moving aggressively into these cultural issues, and they're seeing a, a net benefit electorally from it. I say, Matt, my, my takeaway from this is this ought to be... 
I mean, I, I think when you look at this, it is, I mean, we, we, we know this to be true, but this actually shows this to be true, is that the future of this country is intertwined between our faith and our politics. Right. If you try to separate one from the other, you, you lose the country. And what pastors should be doing is, is teaching the word of God, challenging people to live out their faith, converting people, you know, sharing the gospel, evangelizing. That's one of the strongest ways we can impact this country. Amen. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think the church is going to lead the way in, in, in this and, and really can have a net benefit. That's, that's one way we can really love our neighbor Right. is to just preach the gospel and just expect that our communities will, will reflect that. And one, one thing I would I'd also note, too, is that a lot of those states that are seeing a decline in religious participation are also states that are seeing a net um, uh, a loss of people. Right, people leaving. And so w- right. the next time we have the census come up, we're going to see that the Electoral right. College shift more towards those states that have seen this Good growth point. in religious. Yeah, it, and part of that is because the, 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 the social policy, the negative, the bad social policy is usually accompanied by bad tax policy. Right. And so people are fleeing those states. But this this also emphasizes why we have to be concerned about the policies in our schools the what our children are being indoctrinated with because it's designed to keep them away from religion and experience with God that would cause them to vote along the line of biblical truth and principles. Matt, we're out of time, but always great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, coming in. I think this is fascinating. This is great stuff. Yes, thanks for having me, Tony. All right, uh, Matt Carpenter with uh, FRC Action. This... This should uh, this should encourage all of us. You know, we need to live out our faith, share our faith, because this is this really is a picture of being salt and light. All right, coming up next, Senator Tommy Tuberville is not giving up his fight to rein in the military's unlawful expenditure of money for abortion. We're going to be joined by Senator Steve Daines, who's standing with Senator Tuberville. That's next here on Washington Watch. Are you prepared to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth? It is imperative that Christians pray for their community and culture to steward their role as a citizen by voting and to stand for biblical truth. This means that Christians must be intentional about seeking after the Lord in all things. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to inspire brothers and sisters in Christ to turn their attention to the Lord first and in every compartment of their lives. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. Watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts and commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. Just go to PrayVoteStand.org. Again, that's PrayVoteStand.org. Tech censorship is on the rise. Big tech companies are attempting to cancel conservatives and Christians, which is why here at Family Research Council, we've decided to be proactive so that big tech cannot silence us completely. FRC has a text subscription platform to be sure we can continue to keep you in the loop. That way, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone. Just sign up for our text alerts by texting STAND to 67742. Again, you simply text STAND. 
stand to 67742, and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues that matter to you. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. You'll have access to content that will help you continue to stand for faith, family, and freedom. And you'll know about opportunities to connect with like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Finding a quality news source today in this media-saturated world can be incredibly difficult. It is important to stay informed on what is going on in the world, but you need a news source you can trust. That is why Family Research Council created The Washington Stand, an online news platform with a mission to provide readers with free, factual news stories and commentaries all from a biblical worldview. Based in Washington, D.C., our reporters provide reliable information on the most crucial issues of the day, ranging from breaking news on the hottest Supreme Court decisions to details on the latest public education stories, updates to domestic and international religious liberty cases, and more. We want you and your family to stay informed on what is happening in the world that affects faith, family, and freedom. Be encouraged, be in the know, and stand firm in truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com today. That's WashingtonStand.com. All right, welcome back. Glad you're with us on this Wednesday. Website, TonyPerkins.com. Alabama Senator Tommy Tupperville continues to stand for life in the Senate, using his leverage to place a hold on military promotions. Coach Stand is in response to the Pentagon's illegal, illegal, lawless, whatever term you want to use, abortion policy. And now many suspect the Biden administration is looking to retaliate. That's right, retaliate. By reversing plans to move the U.S. Space Command's headquarters from Colorado to Alabama. The White House claims neither Senator Tuberville's stand nor Alabama's pro-life policies have affected their approach. But is the most pro-abortion administration in our nation's history letting its politics drive military policy? Well, that's a rhetorical question. Joining me now to discuss this and more is Senator Steve Daines of Montana. He serves on several committees in the Senate, including the Finance Committee and the Banking Committee. He is also the founder of the Senate Pro-Life Caucus and chairman of the National Republican Senatorial Committee. Senator Daines, welcome back to the program. Always great to see you. Glad to join you, Tony. Now, we've seen the Biden administration's obsession, obsession with abortion. No, 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 no administration in history has been like this. Would they really allow that to dictate their military strategy and policy? Well, Tony, I think it's important to remember the Democrats of old are very different from the Democrats today. They are not the pro-choice party that they advertised uh, for many, many years. They're now really the pro-abortion party. It's a radical, radical ideology. It's part of almost a religion for them as they wake up every morning, you know, worshiping this this uh, this God of of abortion, of uh, of certainly the, the the radical gender ideology they're trying to promote, as well as climate change. That really is their trinity, as I think about it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I tell you what, uh, Coach Tuberville, I call him Coach Tony, because when you call somebody senator, your approval rating drops 20 points. When you're a coach in Alabama, <laughs> your, your view is a lot smarter, a lot more popular. But but Coach Tuberville, Senator Tuberville's uh, stance is courageous. It's exactly right. He's not wavering on it, nor should he. With what this administration has done, 
really through fiat, through through uh, making rules and regulations here versus passing something through Congress, basically violates the uh, the principles of what's behind the hide. And that is using taxpayer dollars to fund travel and expenses for members of the military to go have an abortion. Uh, that That's illegal. And Coach Tuberville is doing the right thing. And the retaliation we're seeing as this latest uh, Space Force uh, siding fight is outrageous. And I think it is retaliation because of Coach Tuberville's stance, his courageous stance, protecting life. Well, based upon the projections of what the military has done in expanding their abortion funding, we would go from, on average, about 20 abortions a year in the military to about 40 uh, to about 4,000. Uh, so this clearly is an expansion. As you said, this was not approved by Congress, and Senator Tuberville has made that point. But that, se- that doesn't seem to matter. From this administration, I see some similarities between the rhetoric here on military promotions. He's just put a hold on military promotions, meaning they have to go by one by one. They can't do them you know, all in, by unanimous consent. And they're, they're they're screaming, crying, whining, saying, oh, he's destroying our military. Well, they could change this overnight by simply going back to the approved policy. But we're seeing the same type of rhetoric over the debt ceiling, how the, the Republicans want to default, all of this. Well, the Republicans have acted. They've actually passed forward a measure that would raise the debt ceiling. So, I mean, it, it, they're just disingenuous in what they're telling the American people. Well, Tony, I take it a step further. I mean, it's not only disingenuous, it's disinformation. They're just not telling the truth. It's like you can't win the fight based on the facts and start to basically promote false information. That's what's happening on that debt ceiling fight, as well as what uh, Senator Tupperville is trying to do. By the way, Senator Tupperville has said, just give us an up or down vote on the floor of the U.S. Senate. Let's bring this fight to the light of day of the floor of the USA in front of the people that sent us here to serve and deliberate about these issues. And, and he, what he says, you just give me a vote. Even if we lost the vote, he would he would consider, you know, removing the holes in these promotions. But the Democrats refuse to even do that, Tony. That shows you how dug in they are and, frankly, how afraid they are of the American people to expose this in the Pentagon. You're a Marine, Tony. You understand uh, Semper Fi and being faithful. Uh, look, the left right now is lying about what Coach Tuberville is trying to do, and they're lying about what's happening right, right now uh, with this debt ceiling fight. Extremely important point you just brought up about the Senator Tuberville's just asking for a vote. Chuck Schumer could do that like this. But the same thing is true with the debt ceiling. The House passed a bill. Has he put that forward onto the Senate floor? No, and he won't. I mean, that, that, that's that's passed. I mean, last time I checked, Tony, isn't there's no way it work here? You know, schoolhouse rock. I'm just a bill on Capitol Hill. You know, you pass some in the House, send it over to the Senate, but he won't do it. Uh, but what's really been disconcerting is you saw when the House passed that bill, uh, which was a great, great achievement, leadership of Speaker McCarthy and House Republicans basically unified to get yeah. that done. That's not easy to do right now. Yeah. And then what did the White House do? They lied about what was contained yeah. in that bill. I mean, because when the American people see the, the, the foundation of that bill, this is common sense, you know, clawing back 30 to $60 billion unspent COVID money, putting work requirements in for able-bodied people to, to have to have that in exchange for any kind of a benefit coming from welfare, uh, you know, permitting reform. These are all common sense winning issues 
uh, we win on these issues 65-35 on them. That's why the White House doesn't want to have that exposed, because they know we win the argument. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, sticking with the military here for a moment, you recently introduced a, a bill that would ban the Pentagon. I mean, we talk about their woke policies and their mispriority, the misplaced priorities. You introduced a bill that would keep them from spending taxpayer money on drag queen performances um, or using taxpayer funded facilities to host them. What is our military there for? I mean, why in the world are we even having to have these discussions? Tony, did you think you'd live to see the day when you and I be talking about this, about the fact the military is, is funding drag queen shows? By the way, this is in front of children. It's in front of children at a military base in Montana that has responsibilities for intercontinental ballistic missiles, which is the most powerful weapon that ever invented by man. These are weapons of mass destruction. These are the weapons that keep the crazy authoritarian dictators, whether in Iran or North Korea or around the world, at bay because they know we've got this powerful weapon and a third of those missiles are located in Montana. It was that base where this drag queen show in front of children occurred on military property. And, and this was a, this was a cover-up. We exposed it. And I didn't think I'd live to see the day I've got to present a bill that basically does not allow funding and allow those kind of shows to occur on a military basis and what adds insult to injury in front of children. Tony, you just can't believe it. Do you know who's cheering the loudest over those uh, presentations? Trying to choose my words carefully, um, it's those third world dictators. It's the it's the totalitarian regimes that want to see America go away so that they can have their way with the world. Now, I'll tell you, Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin are cheering cheering that on. They want to see that. And, and to think about why are the recruiting numbers in the military down so much, Tony? I mean, there's, there's, there's a number of factors. But men and women who enter the military want to be in the strongest, toughest fighting force in the world, which we have been and will continue to be with the right leadership. But the, the Army numbers were down 25 percent. I mean, we've got a real serious issue of not getting enough men and women recruited into our military at the moment. Men and women who want to serve in the military see what's going on with this this woke nonsense, yeah. whether it's these drag queen shows at an Air Force base with children or the Air Force Academy teaching you know, cadets now. You can't use terms like mom and dad because those are you know, those are from conservative traditional families to be you know, sympathetic to to families that are non-traditional. Yeah. I mean, it, it's you, you can't believe it. Tony, no wonder. No wonder great patriots who want to serve in the military are given second thought about that because this ideology coming from the leadership at the Pentagon. Well, you know this, Senator, that those that disproportionately are represented in the ranks of our military are those who come from conservative backgrounds. And I'm not saying all of them, but, you know, my, my personal experience and even the numbers tell the story. When you look at where recruits come from, they come from, you know, places that are very deep uh, in, in, in the faith, a lot of the Bible belt. And so you're you're br trying to bring people from there into an environment that is actually hostile to the very place you brought them from. Now, you're exactly right. It, it's it's countercultural to the culture that they've grown up in, the America they love, the traditional values that have made this country great. 
of faith, family, and freedom. Uh, and, and I mean, again, you see the images, you know, these eggshells of kids on an Air Force base. I just, I mean, it, it, it's just startling that as a U.S. senator from Montana, I'd have to introduce a bill prohibiting that. I mean, I mean, we have, what, no more guardrails around just basic right and wrong in this country, it seems yeah. like. We just lost our moral compass. And uh, as you said so well, Tony, um, our, our enemies are cheering us on. Our yeah. adversaries are saying this, this emboldens them is what it does because it makes us weak on the world stage. It does. I, I want to get you to weigh in on something else, uh, Senator. We've got, a, we've got about five minutes left. I, I want you to weigh in on the, the, the border. Now, some say, well, you represent Mon- Montana, but every state, as we talk to uh, law enforcement officers and, uh, and state officials, every state now is a border state with the surge that's been coming across the border. But the Biden administration wants to take a victory lap because only four to 5,000 migrants are crossing our border daily. I mean, a few years ago, that would be, uh, that would be all the, 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 the warning signs would be going off. Yeah, I don't know. It's called desperation. It reminds me of kind of like, uh, remember Baghdad Bob during the, the Iraq war? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just they're, they're issuing this propaganda out there because they can't deal with reality and the facts. I, and, and by the way, um, as we've looked at the numbers, we're going to dig into those because I, I think there's also, I mean, you, you can't spike the ball because we only had you know five or 6,000 a day. Those These are still numbers way off the chart. But I think there's also some baking the numbers as we're starting to dig into who's coming across some of the ports of entry. But setting that aside for a moment, look, we've had over 5 million crossings. Uh, and, and, and what's exacerbating our fentanyl and our meth crisis in this country is exactly this mass surge of illegals. You know, it's not that complicated, Tony. People say, well, what's the Republican solution? It's pretty straightforward. Build the wall. Walls work. You spend time during the night with Border Patrol agents, they'll tell you that walls are very effective in helping control the illegals coming across the border, secure it. Number two, you put that Remain in Mexico policy back in place. It simply says if you want to declare asylum, you stay in Mexico while it's being adjudicated. Right now, if you want to have a court case assigned to you when you declare asylum, it's between three and ten years in the future is when they assign you to show up in a court. We had we heard a story here just this week where a person came across the border illegally. They were told to show up in a court here in 2033, Tony. I mean, that's what you call catch and release. It's absurd. And then the third the third action, of course, is keep Title 42 in place. Right. You know, Trump had all three of those issues figured out, and the border was at one of the most, most secure positions that relates to the number of illegal apprehensions we'd had in years. Biden reversed all three of those. That's why we have this mess. This is pure cause and effect. You hang this right around the next of the administration. Uh, so, D- Senator Daines, I want to go back for just a moment so people clearly understand what you said. When when someone comes across the border, they're they're caught and they're given a court date and then they're let go. They're let go in this country. They're not sent back to come for their court date. They're let loose in this country. That's what they call exactly the catch and release. See, un- under President Trump, if you declare asylum, say, great. We'll consider that asylum claim, but you'll remain in Mexico while that and, until your case is adjudicated. Well, all that is, it stopped the incentive for primarily those down in, in, in Central America to come flooding across our, our borders because they knew they had to stay in Mexico. With the Biden administration's policy, you get to stay in the United States 
while you wait for that court date. That's what we call catch and release. We catch them when they cross the border and then release them into our country. And by the way, as we see the number of, of Chinese, Uzbeks, uh, nations from all over the world, over 100 different countries now have had apprehensions. This is not just a right. Central American issue. This is now a global issue. You want to get in the United States from around the world, just come into Mexico because the southern border is wide open. And that is a that is a significant problem here for national security. And those that you mentioned are the ones that are caught. There are those that are not caught. In fact, many of those who are caught become distractions for the um, Border Patrol from being able to catch those that are bringing the drugs and trafficking people across the border for illicit means. Point to zero sum situation. You have a limited number of Border Patrol agents there. They're overwhelmed. In my state of Montana, we've seen fentanyl seizures up 11,000 percent since 2019. Now, you say, wait a minute. Montana is a northern border state. We border Canada. But we're a northern border state with a southern border crisis. Wow. Uh, so it, it is. It, it, when it crosses the border, Tony, that fentanyl, that meth, it gets to Montana within 48 hours because the Mexican cartels are operating in places like Montana now. And we're facilitating that with not securing the border. Senator Daines, we're out of time, but it's always great to have you on the program. Thanks so much for uh, for visiting with us today. Thanks, Tony. All right, Senator St Steve Daines of Montana. All right, be sure and uh, follow the action items for today, weighing in on this SPLC lawyer that's been nominated for the 11th Circuit who will be voted on tomorrow. Go to TonyPerkins.com and find out more. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything that you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.